Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time for Tales of Terror, only on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated R and is recommended restricted for anyone under the age of 17. Amid the stars in the sky, humanity expands and thrives as it pushes back the boundaries of the universe. Welcome to Schneider Orbiter. I came through a bit of a rough system to get here, okay? If you can't pay, your ship will be impounded until you do. My name is May. I need a ship. Shouldn't you be in school, kid? I thought your ad said no questions. We need you to take a shipment into Imperial space for us. Everybody seems to want something. Sure I want something. I want to earn enough credits for an expensive mining. We can't let the weapon leave the station. I want a quiet system with nobody else around where I can work in peace. Then do nothing. Just get me the registration of that ship. I just came to check on my investment. I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. If anything untoward were to happen to any of the shipment, it would be bad news for you. I'm gonna die. No. No, I won't accept that. Hey, who are these guys? Any system other than this. I've got to get out of here. We'll work something out. From the luxury of the core systems to the harsh worlds of the frontier, men still fight. Orbital traffic control requesting takeoff clearance. They all share one aim to be elite. Engaging hyperdrive. Escape velocity. An official full-cast audio drama based on the hit video game Elite Dangerous. Please visit escapevelocity.laveradio.com. Diagonal Dreams Podcast, Season 1, Episode 11 of Post-Apocalyptic Nightmare. This audio theater features some situations that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Chapter 11, Finding Ishk. Finally, something exciting is happening. I'm designating myself as the honorary wedding planner. You guys know I used to run a love blog, right? How can we forget something we weren't listening to in the first place? Oh, perfect way to begin our new lives here. I don't want anything fancy, guys. As long as Ravi and I say our vows and stuff, it'll be official, right? More or less, I suppose. Adrian, man, I know we haven't always seen eye to eye, but, uh... I don't have many choices for best man. Hey, 
What about me, man? It's fine. Go ahead and have Devin do it. Why don't you officiate the wedding, Adrian? I have no officiating powers. That doesn't matter. You have your military uniform. That's good enough. I, I wouldn't even know what to say. Like this, man. By the power invested in me, I now pronounce you husband and wife. Something like that. Okay, but what about the rest of the lines? They can say their own vows. Jenny excitedly looked to Ravi and Heather for confirmation. Heather nodded and shrugged her shoulders. Fine with me, I guess. I can't believe I'm getting married! And it's all thanks to Joan! (laughs) Congratulations, guys. Kat, will you be my maid of honor? Uh, sure. Uh, what does a maid of honor do? You can't tell me you've never been to, nor seen a wedding before? I told you guys. I grew up on an island. No island weddings? Bunch of sinners. No, there were no need for weddings. That's not uncommon. Weddings are mostly a Western culture event. So how did you profess love to each other for others to see? (laughs) We didn't. The woman left the island just to get pregnant and would come back and give birth. After that, she never left the island again. What in the world? So let me get this straight. The women from your culture left to hook up with some random guy and then left him and never saw him again. The men on the island weren't good enough. How did he see his kid? Life isn't as complicated where I come from. The woman who left had a mission to become immersed in a new culture, get educated, and pregnant. When she came home, there were no questions asked. She taught the rest of us new words, ideas, languages, and customs. We helped her give birth. She raised her child on the island. If the child was male, he would grow up doing manual labor, and spend his days caring for a woman who had already come back and given birth. So, like a stepfather? Yeah, I guess you would call it that. If the child was female, she would follow in her mother's footsteps and repeat the cycle. Their fathers don't come for them because they don't know about them. When the women find out they're pregnant, they live their life out in the world and return home to the island. They are drawn back to it. Like an instinct. But why? It seems so messy. It's really not. It allows the population to grow steadily and increases the diversity of the tribe. It also allows the gene pool to never become circular. And it allowed us to grow as a culture by learning about others. We may have been secluded, but we knew a lot about the outside world because of how our island grew. That's actually kind of brilliant. Not fair to all the dads who never knew about their kids, but still an innovative way of life. But why the seclusion? Kat shifted a bit and tapped her finger lightly to her temple. The group assumed her silence was reflective avoidance or simple ignorance. Either she could not elaborate or simply did not know the reason. Ray smirked deviously and sidled up next to Kat, ensuring to make a show of giving her a wider-than-necessary girth. How come you haven't gone back home then? What? If your hogshit story is true, why haven't you gone home yet? I've been around enough pregos to know when someone is knocked up, and you, Kat, are pregnant. Kat, is that true? Kat's face flushed, her cheeks burned in embarrassment, shame, and bewilderment. All the little flags she'd been ignoring for the past couple of months started to make sense. The nausea, the vivid dreams, the intense hunger for both food and... Her eyes flicked to Adrian in fear, but he wouldn't meet her gaze. No, of course it's not! She carefully but quickly removed herself from the living room and opened the front door just as another wave of nausea hit the back of her throat. What is this, a brothel? 
Did you guys see her face? Classic. Ray, that is rude. God, I have never been around so many wet blankets before in my life. Nobody here can take a joke, ever, I swear. Don't be mad just because she ain't funny. It was a joke, people. I'm gonna go get some air. I'll be back. Does anything here look like something we could use? Heather shrugged and smiled passively. I don't want a big event. Okay, here we go. The most accurate pregnancy test, easy to read with yes or no result, results in three minutes or less. Jenny handed Kat a slender rectangular box off the pharmacy shelf nearby. After Ray's attempt to embarrass Kat the night before, Jenny had insisted that first thing in the morning they would go into town and make sure Kat really wasn't pregnant. Heather had wanted to come, as she seemed more or less unfazed by the supposed joke. Kat worried this may weaken her mental state and trigger an unhealthy coping mechanism to deal with her unresolved grief about Christian. I don't need this. I'm not pregnant. Please. It would seriously put my mind at ease. And to be fair, and please don't take offence, Kat, but you have been doing some sort of weird things lately. What weird things? Jenny, she said she doesn't need it. Why do I feel like you're hiding stuff from me? I thought we were like best friends. I'm sorry if you think I've lied to you about anything, but I don't think I have. Ask me anything you want. I can't think of anything right now. I'm not prepared. Okay, fine. God, Kat, I'm so annoyed at you. Annoyed or jealous? Don't start. Jenny moved away from the pharmacy section and started walking towards some clearance racks near the store's produce section. I'm grabbing some of these. I can make you a bouquet and some corsages. She held up a string of silk chrysanthemums in Heather's direction, purposely avoiding Kat's gaze. Heather nodded and took the flowers from Jenny. Jenny, just say what you want to say. Jenny continued searching through the racks, noisily pushing random items out of her way with restrained fury. You like pink? We can use this ribbon for your hair or something. Jenny ignored Kat and handed more items to Heather, who was looking more and more melancholy with each passing moment. Still, she diligently held the items that Jenny picked. This outing is supposed to be for Heather's wedding and you're ruining it with your bad attitude. Stop making everything about you and your own selfish emotions. Do you like him? Honestly? Who? Stop being stupid. You know who I mean. (sighs) Yes. Okay? I do like him. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't feel the same way. And all he does is give me mixed signals. Jenny stopped sorting through the racks and looked up at Kat. Her eyes glazed over with tears. She knew Kat had always loved Adrian, and she knew that she had been jealous. Not for Adrian's affections, but for the fact that she had the option for a real relationship at all. Her mind dredged up the memory of her boyfriend's engagement ring in his luggage carry-on, right before the madness happened. I'm sorry, Kat. It's not your fault. Ray was just doing what she does best. I honestly don't know why she hates you so much. Jenny looked between Kat and Heather. Forgive me, Heather, for my pity party. I promise I won't let my actions ruin your wedding. We're going to help you make it the most beautiful post-apocalyptic event ever. The three women embraced, laughed, and resumed their shopping inside the rundown grocery store. As Jenny went down, aisle after aisle, retrieving potential decorations for the wedding, Kat lagged behind briefly. 
she made sure Jenny and Heather were out of view before opening the box she still held and slid the two applicators in her back pocket. True to her word, Jenny worked tirelessly on Ravi and Heather's wedding. She recruited all members of the household to participate in some way. Due to the continuous rain, she decided to move the wedding to the barn out at the property's back. Ray had been resistant to allow this since she had been using the barn as her own place, but Jenny assured her that none of her belongings would be disturbed. It will be quick and nobody will go up in the loft where you sleep. I promise, Ice Queen. Ray bristled but relented. You just better clean up all the decorations and crap you put up in there. Absolutely. The day before the wedding, Jenny was overwrought with frenzied paranoia. Heather and Ravi were totally unbothered by the upcoming nuptials, despite Jenny being an absolute wreck. Jenny, come and have a seat. You are getting too worked up. It's supposed to be just a simple ceremony. Yeah, relax a little. No, I can't frickin' relax. You realise without a cake, there can't be a wedding? Totally false. Without a cake, the wedding will be ruined. Hmm. When I got married, we didn't have no cake. Me and my husband just went down to the courthouse. Oh, that sounds horrible. Gee, thanks. Jenny, remember what I said about not making a huge deal of this? I just want to make it perfect for you guys. So why can't we make a cake? Don't really have all the necessary ingredients. Okay, so a cake is sweet, right? How about another type of dessert? Like what? I don't know. Any ideas, anyone? Options are severely limited since we have no milk or eggs. What about a box of instant cake? I think it still needs eggs, which we don't have. Hmm. What, Devin? Got something to say, old man? Uh, No, I don't. Kat looked at Devin intently, fidgeting nervously in his seat. Devin, if you have an idea, just say it. We are all brainstorming here. I, uh, uh, no, never mind. Kat smiled at him encouragingly. He slowly stood up and walked out of the room. Wow, thanks for your help. A few minutes later, Devon returned. He was wet from the rain outside, and he held a handful of weeds. Here we go. I already made a bouquet, and it looks way better than that. Girl, please, this is Japanese knotweed. It's grown all over the yard outside. Most people just ignore it, but it's edible. Jenny rolled her eyes and looked away, but Kat got up and followed Devon to the kitchen. Ravi and Adrian did as well. So, what are you going to do with this? Devon washed the greens in some clean water, then laid them out on the countertop. I'm going to make a dessert. From what? Devon smiled and began removing the leaves, leaving only a pile of tender young shoots. Opening one of the kitchen cupboards, he rummaged around until he located a large tin labelled white sugar. Pushing half the pile towards Cat, he nodded and handed her a knife. She mimicked his actions and chopped the shoots into about one-inch pieces. Ravi reached for the sugar, eager to help. How much of this? Hmm, let's do about two cups. Ravi nodded and scooped two cups of the sugar into a bowl while Devon added a cup of water in with the sugar. He motioned for Kat to add the chopped up weeds to the mix. Well, that looks gross. That's cause it ain't done now, fool. He once again began opening drawers in the kitchen until he located a whisk. After several minutes of stirring, 
the mix still looked like vomit. Um, is that it? I'll tell you when it's done, Ravman. Ravi and Adrian watched Evan stir the mixture for about five minutes before getting bored and deserting him and Kat. She watched his continuous smooth stirring and smiled up at him. Want me to have a turn? Your hand must be getting tired. Devon shook his head and kept stirring. I haven't been able to cook anything for so long. It feels so nice just to be back at it again. Kat realised she didn't know very much about Devon at all. Did you cook a lot in the past? Devon shrugged and turned his head, so his long, dirty locks lightly thumped against his back. You must have done some to be able to recognise a weed and cook with it. Japanese knotweed is what it's called. Yes, you said that. Kat looked into the bowl and smiled as she saw the contents had been blended into a fluffy brown puree by this point. Wow, how'd you get it like that? Devon stopped stirring and rubbed his tired wrist. It's much easier with a blender, but with patience, you can do it just as good with ease. He wiggled his hands at her light-heartedly. Here, try some. It's not a cake, but it's sweet and delicate. This is really good. It kind of tastes like rain. You'd be surprised at how often things that are overlooked can have so much potential. I think it'll be perfect for tomorrow. Devon smiled sadly and nodded. What kind of other stuff can you make? I can make a mean dandelion tea. Were you a chef back in the time before? Nah, just learned how to use the stuff that nobody else wanted. What was your job? Ahem, <clears throat> uh, a little of this, a little of that. My true passion was music. Did you have a family? Been on my own for a long time now. Nobody but me, myself and I. I was always on the move. Never in one place for very long. Sounds exciting. Exhausting is more like it. You see, Kat, everybody wants to be a free spirit. <laughs> that is, until the streetlights come on. The problem is, where do you go when you have nothing? Nobody. Kat ate another spoonful of the puree and smiled up at Devon. You know, I've never tried dandelion tea before. Nine eight one five Lima, say last known position. Pacific Ring of Fire, International Water. I do not have the coordinates. Nine eight one five Lima, say altitude. I can see one small island. I am unable to tell if it's inhabited. Nine eight one five Lima, say altitude. I'm rolling. I can't stop. Made it. Made it. Calling Fort Santina. Release the stick. Go forward on the stick, then slowly back again. <laughs> I'm straight and level, but I still don't know where I am. 9815 Lima, remain VFR if you can remain straight and level. 
Squawk, 77,000 if you have a transponder. Nine eight one five Lima, you're descending right now. Yes, yes. We're a single engine plane descending. Have a fire number. Nine eight one five Lima, if you're trying to get me, all I hear is static. Nine eight one five Lima, please respond. Mayday! 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 Emergency left an unknown island within the Pacific Ring of Fire. Fire and engine one descending now. Nine eight one five Lima. I need fuel remaining and souls on board. Five hours of fuel! Mayday! 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 Father! Cat bolted upright from her sleeping position on the downstairs couch. The house was dark and all she could hear was the continuous rain pounding the roof. She broke out into a cold sweat as she realised it was only another dream, or in this instance, a nightmare. She pulled a blanket up around her shoulders and wiped a stray tear running down her cheek. She now knew the truth. Her father was dead. She still didn't understand why her mother had gone to the island if she wasn't from there. But her father had spent his last days on Earth looking for her mother. The realisation pained her, and her chest ached in remorse and disappointment. Oh, sorry. Did I wake you up? No. Kat squinted her eyes and saw the outline of his body hunched over a chair in the dark, near the back pantry of the kitchen. He belched again, this time longer and louder, and Kat could tell he was drunk. Stop that. Come sit with me. Still clutching a large glass jar, he stumbled in the dark and clumsily plopped down next to her on the couch. Here I am. Kat knew he would be resistant to his usual cold ways in his inebriated state, so she took the opportunity and rested her head against his shoulder. Why are you sleeping down here alone? I don't want to wake everyone else up. You know I don't sleep soundly most nights. Guess I forgot. He took another swig from the jar and placed it down on the sofa table in front of them. Ah. So what was your dream about? My father's dead. Mine. Mine too. Mom. Dad. Julia. All. D. E. A. D. Dead. I don't like it when you drink so much. Although I guess I understand. Adrian scooted over, away from Kat, with irritation. You don't understand anything. It's not a competition about who has the shittier situation, Adrian. We all lose. You just choose to shut everyone out of your life. Hey, do you remember when Ray said you were pregnant? Oh yeah? I was there and it was like two days ago. I thought maybe... Thought what? That it was true? Well, I don't know. I was surprised that if it was true, you would tell other people before me. A smile briefly flickered across Kat's face, but she said nothing.
Ginny, you've really outdone yourself. It's beautiful in here. Not too bad, if I say so myself. During the night, Jenny had transformed the old barn into a secluded slice of grandiose enchantment. Her innovative decorating had utilised floral bedsheets from the farmhouse as a makeshift backdrop behind the head table. Ransacking a fabric store in town had provided her yards and yards of tool, which allowed her to create a makeshift tent ceiling to mask the dilapidated cow barn's run-down architecture. There were no lights inside, save for the soft-burning glow of a candelabra relocated from a nearby church. Adrian took his place as the officiant at the front of the wedding, directly under the cascading waves of ivory tool. He wore his military uniform, washed and pressed with hot rocks the day before. Ravi entered next and took his place near Adrian. He smiled nervously as he visibly wrung his hands together and met Adrian's knowing gaze. There were no children to take part, but Anne gladly played the role of flower girl and walked down the aisle, leaving handfuls of dandelion heads and rosebuds in her wake. Kat followed Anne and took her place as maid of honour opposite Ravi. A hush fell over everyone as Heather slowly made her way towards the front. Audrey tried to imitate the wedding march with various buckets and bells that had been rusted by time and neglect. But the rustic sounds, combined with the amber light and Heather's angelic form slowly walking the makeshift aisle, brought tears to the eyes of almost everyone in attendance. Joan and Jenny had sewn Heather's dress, plied her hair on top of her head and interwove a long pink chiffon ribbon throughout her long tresses. She had come full circle since the day she showed up at the homeless shelter. As an added surprise, Devon emerged from behind Adrian, wearing an ill-fitting but decidedly clean suit. His locks were long but clean, having washed them in apple cider vinegar the night before. He smiled brightly as he slowly escorted Heather down the aisle. Everyone, please, take your seats. I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to say. Google is no longer a thing anymore. <clears throat> but seriously, though, Ravi and Heather, both of you were serious liabilities when we met you. I had my reservations, but you know, you guys were strong, and you pushed through. And now here we are. I'm not sure how many people are left on this earth now, but uh, you guys have found your person, and I'm really happy for you two. I'll always have your backs. Thanks, Adrian. I guess now you guys can say any vows you have prepared. I don't need a ring or a big fancy wedding to know that I love you, Ravi. You've been my support since I joined this group. You helped me manage the pain of losing my son. You've made sure I've taken care of myself and helped me to see that I am more than what other people think of me. I promise that I will be your eyes if you will be my soul. Same for me. 
times two. You mean everything to me. All done? Yeah. Yep. Guess so. I now pronounce you by the state of... Wait. Where the hell are we? Nebraska, dimwit. Right. Nebraska. You are now man and wife. You guys can kiss. So on and so forth. on you were screaming again what's wrong oh my god jenny it was so awful i'm so happy you're all right well i was trying to sleep but other than that i'm fine i'm really sorry cat's throat was scratchy from her screaming she had tried sleeping upstairs in one of the bedrooms still her nightly vocal soaring left the rest of the household awake and miserable jenny gave cat a comforting hug but Kat could see the plum-coloured ring circling Jenny's eyes. She knew the offer to share the room with her had been with the intention for Kat to kindly turn it down so the rest of the group could sleep upstairs in peace. Before she could say anything else, Adrian appeared in the doorway. Come downstairs with me. Let me make you some tea. Okay. Do you consider taking something before bed at night? Take what? I'm talking about a sleep aid. Just something mild to help you rest easier. Your behavior is very concerning to me and everyone else. Ever since Heather has been taking the haloperidol, she seemed to have mellowed out. Not completely, but she's much better than when we first met her. <laughs> she hasn't been taking her meds, Adrian. Don't be silly. Robbie makes sure she takes them every day. How do you think we killed Father Weber? longer than anticipated, but we used a combination of all of Heather's medication and some others that we found. They both turned to look at the tin kettle whistling atop the pot-bellied stove. Adrian silently poured both of them a cup. I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you say that. Where's Ray? She's sleeping out on the barn. The fact of the matter is, I don't want to take drugs. I'm fine. You're obviously not fine. Can you even differentiate between your dreams and reality? I'll get it together. I promise. I hope so. For everybody's sake. They sat together in the dark and drank their tea thoughtfully. What are your dreams about anyway? Are they different? Or is the same one every time? This is going to sound ridiculous, but it's like a story unfolding. About what? About my life. That doesn't seem so scary. If you were dreaming about your own life, why all the screaming? I feel something else. I don't know what it is, but it's close. Something is watching me. It wants me dead. I'm afraid of the end of my story. Kat, I can't blame you for having bad dreams. In fact, that's probably one of the more normal things going on. What's happened to us is scary. 
we're dealing with it differently. I, I just... I want to make sure you're okay. Kat nodded and finished the rest of her tea. Don't worry, Adrian. It's almost over now. Would you sit down already? You're making me nervous with all this pacing you're doing. And look what you're doing to the rug. Something ain't right. That's for sure. Something bad is going to happen. I just know it. Well, can you take your negative premonition over on the other side of the room? I'm trying to read. I just have a bad feeling. It's probably those canned oysters you ate. Oh, it's something else. Most people feel happy after a wedding. It's that girl. The one that showed up at the commune right when all these folks came in. Who? You know, the one who doesn't speak. They call her Anne. You're just paranoid. Am I, Audrey? Come on, wake up. I've seen her lurking around at night. <laughs> lurking? Come on now, girl. Nobody is lurking here at night. We sleep. At least we try to. You can't tell me she doesn't read you out. That dark hair, those shifty eyes. I say she needs to go. Joan, she is a child. Now go on and leave me alone so I could finish reading. No more talk about that girl. She hasn't done a thing to anyone. What are you reading that is so important? Just this AMA I found upstairs. What's an AMA? It means ask me anything. Ask you what? Anything. I don't want to. No, the article I'm reading is an AMA. I don't follow. No, Joan, listen. An AMA is a type of informal interview in which an interviewee is open to questions from the public. What? (sighs) Okay, see here. This AMA is for a voice actor. The voice actor was asked a list of questions by inquiring minds and they answered them. Let me see that. No, get your own. Where am I supposed to get an AMA? Well, first off, I'm not telling you anything until you do the outro for this episode. What are you talking about? We got a bunch of people out there listening to our little story, and now we are at the end of episode 11. Only one more to go. (laughs) That's ridiculous. Just read this. Starring Journey Brown Saintel, Andrew Quintero, Emily Husband, Chi Dumechko Brown, Esther Payne, Allegra Rodriguez Shivers, Gina Pietro Monaco, and Sandy Jack. Who are these people? This episode also featured the voice talents of Greg Thomas, Julian Kingston, Nicholas Watson, Michelle Kane, and me, She Melendez. Now read this one. (sighs) Story written by Courtney Holloway. Sound design by Christopher Jarvis at the Radio Theater Workshop. Original music composed by Peter Clef, Bradley Parsons, and Constantine Niestro. Original artwork created by McNeil. If you would like to support us on Patreon, check out our page at patreon.com slash dot. Or if you can't support us financially, you can still rate, review, and subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay. 
Now let me have a chance to read that. I'm bored. Uh-uh. This one is mine. But you can get yours along with other perks if you subscribe to Patreon. Voice actor AMA is coming soon, along with bonus episodes after season one ends while we await season two. But I want one now. Patience is a virtue, my friend. Come back next month for the season finale of Agonal Dreams podcast post-apocalyptic nightmare. This is Jack Ward, and from everyone here at the Mutual Audio Network, we wish you all safety and protection during the COVID-19 outbreak. Join us as we listen and imagine, and together we'll make it through this. Please be safe.